Now, if you would, uh, turn with me to Romans 14. The reading will also be on the screen. But if you have a Bible in front of you today, um, the reading is in Romans chapter 14. And we'll read the whole chapter. So that's Romans chapter 14. Romans 14 verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person only eats vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honour of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honour of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living." Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. 
Amen. And may God bless the reading of his word. Before I come to preach, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul and we thank you for this epistle to the Romans. Father, I pray that we learn something new today. Learn something new about your character. Learn something new about our role as Christians in your world, Lord. Father, as I come to preach, I pray that you take away any anxiousness or nerves I may be feeling, Lord. Any pride that I may have, Lord, and exchange them for glory unto yourself. As that is what our job as Christians, Lord, as teachers of your word, as disciples of Christ, that should be our chief aim, Lord, to glorify you. So be with us now as we hear your word preached. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I wonder if you can this morning recall for me PE class at school, sports class at school. Now, I recognize that might be longer for some of us than it is for others. Maybe you're still at school today. However, can you remember being chosen by two team captains for a certain sport in this class? It might be dodgeball, rounders, football, whatever. And the way it typically went for me in school is that the sportiest and the fittest students would be picked as captains for the two teams. And they had the task of forming a squad from the remaining classmates that would overcome the opposing team. The usual picking order was the fast athletic types that would be first chosen for the team. And then after that, the kind of cool guys, the strong guys who hit the gym, they would be added to the squads. And then it starts getting to the kind of bottom of the barrel classmates, doesn't it? The bigger guys like me who'd be chosen maybe to be used as blockades or barricades for the balls that would be chucked at them. But then the very last picks would often be the scrawny, nerdy, didn't want to be their classmates who were often weak and terrible at the sport. Now, I don't know where you would define yourself in those categories, but I'm sure the same would be for you. And these weak, often nerdy, didn't want to be their types were always welcomed begrudgingly, weren't they? They were welcomed with regret. Those weak, unremarkable people were always cast to the side and ignored. And in our passage today, Paul addresses a specific situation in the church in Rome that involves the weak believer. Now, there's obviously a disagreement with opinions on certain foods and special days in the week, most likely the Sabbath day. And due to these disagreements, there was a judgment and a dislike, a contempt among believers that was leading to dysfunction within the church and disunity. We should note early here that these Christians, they're not disagreeing with moral fundamental Christian beliefs. They are united by these as all of us as believing Christians should be. However, they are disagreeing on things that are not specifically forbidden in the Bible, Things such as dietary laws that were often in much discussion and debate in the time of writing this letter. Now, although these things aren't salvation issues, 
Paul makes it clear that these things are fundamental, that these disagreements do not disrupt the growth of God's church. And Paul in this chapter is teaching and encouraging the Roman Christian, both weak and strong, to unite in Christ and live together in harmony despite their disagreements. So if you're taking notes today, the first title covering the first 12 verses is Receive Each Other. Receive Each Other. Now the weak Christian Paul is addressing here is the one who still feels bound to certain food laws that were strict in Jewish religion. Remember the church in Rome, just like many of the churches in the New Testament, they would have been made up from people from lots of different backgrounds, Jews and Gentiles alike. Jews who would have grown up adhering very strictly to dietary laws their entire lives. And Gentiles who wouldn't have cared what they've eaten throughout their lives as they didn't have any laws bounding them to this. And we know today that God has declared all food clean. We read that in Acts chapter 10. And do you remember the, the vision Peter has where the, the white cloth with all the animals going down and God saying to Peter, what I have deemed clean, you shall not deem unclean. However, we are not Jews sitting here this morning. So this might not seem like a big deal to us. But Jewish people, especially back then, who had spent their entire lives strictly abiding by food laws, might find this hard to stray away from. So does Paul say to the Romans to look down on or ignore this weak believer? Absolutely not. Read with me in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Right from the start of this chapter, the call of unity is clear here from Paul. Just because another believer doesn't 100% agree with you on everything, doesn't mean we should shut them out or ignore them. But instead, we are to welcome them with open arms. And this is a real challenge to us today, isn't it, friends? As the temptation is to quarrel and argue with someone who is a Christian for their personal convictions. Yet Paul makes it clear that we are to welcome these people and not to quarrel, not to argue over opinions, which will only inhibit the growth of the church. And verse 2, this was my plea as a teenager to my mum growing up to leave vegetables off my plate. As Paul clearly states that vegetables are for weaklings. But that never really worked as I was force-fed my greens. But Paul is saying weak Christians probably ate vegetables as it was the best way, the safest way to avoid eating unclean meat. Because if you eat vegetables, there's no chance of eating any unclean meat. And verse 3, we'll read in a second if you look down with me at your Bibles, is the exact reason why Paul instructs the believer to welcome the weak Christian. He says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. God has welcomed him. Don't despise, don't hate the ones who don't eat the meat. And those who don't eat the meat, don't judge those who do eat the food. You class as unclean. Why? Because God has welcomed them. So if God has welcomed them, you should absolutely do likewise. 
Friends, what a reminder this is to us. That a holy God has welcomed broken sinners like me and you into his family. Even though we disagree sometimes, even though we don't always get along, we are to welcome each other. We are to receive one another gladly because we have been welcomed and received by God himself into his glorious family. And Paul reminds the weak Christian in verse 4 that it's not their place to judge. God is the master and the Christian is the servant and that's the way it will always be. The Lord will uphold the faithful Christian. That's what it tells us in verse 4. And how encouraging it is to know that our success in the Christian life does not depend on the opinions of those sitting around you today or any other Christian in this world. It is God that is able to make us stand and him alone. An important truth to remember as we often try to please others before we please God. Now the rest of this section can be summed up in two subheadings. Jesus Christ is Lord and Jesus Christ is Judge. And Paul develops this thought further. How can Christians who have different opinions on certain things have unity? How can they unite? And Paul's answer is the Lordship of Christ. The Lordship of Christ unites believers. Read with me from verse 5. The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honour of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honour of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For, this, for to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Eight times in this little section. The word Lord is mentioned here. And Paul is using this repetition to remind the Roman believers of their place. They are not God. So they shouldn't act like God, like we saw in verse 4. And this also shows shows us whether the Christian treats certain days holy or only eats certain foods, they should only be doing it, as this section says, in honor of the Lord. If they choose to adhere to these things, it cannot be for the, approvement, for the approval or the appeasement of other people. It has to only be for the honour and the glory of God. If treating a Sunday as a Sabbath works for you, great. But we have to make sure we're doing it for the correct reasons, not just to seem more holy or put together than our fellow believers. If eating certain foods help you honour God more, fantastic. But it cannot be something that you pass judgment on for others not doing. What we do should never be for the thoughts and opinions of other people. It should only be for the obedience of our Saviour. And this really does go against culture, doesn't it? It really goes against modern thinking. Most of what the average person does in their lives is for the approval of those around us. We do it all the time in our day-to-day lives. 
whether that's showing some sort of perfect life on social media, whether it's getting great stellar grades in school to prove other people wrong, whether it's for co-workers or for our bosses, for their approval, for their appeasement. The pressure is to constantly live for the approval of those around us, even in the life of the church. However, Paul counters this by saying, Jesus is Lord. We belong to him. So we should leave him to be the judge and Lord over our lives. And we should only seek to honour and glorify him in all that we do. So no matter our personal convictions, this should be our chief aim. This is a practical application of what Paul has already written in chapter 12, if we can remember a few weeks ago when Graham done this with us. It reads in chapter 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Living sacrifices that glorify and honour God with every action. This is what we are to be. And no matter what we believe on these disagreements or any other disagreements we might have with one another in the church, we can unite in this life and in death knowing that we belong to Jesus, who is Lord. So let's consider this thoroughly the next time we might come into an argument or a disagreement with a fellow brother or sister. No matter what it may be, we can unite on the fact that we belong to Jesus, who is Lord. But not only is Jesus Lord, but he is judge too. Read with me in verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And Paul's already touched on this in verse 4 as he delves deeper and asks the question. He asks the Roman church, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, so he's talking the judgment to the weak Christian. Why do you judge the strong Christian, if you want to call them that, the meat eaters? Or you, why do you despise your brother, the strong Christian? Why do you despise the one who abstains from eating food? And his question is to show how pointless it is to do these things. Christ is our judge. Paul is saying gossip and unhelpful criticism never accomplish anything worthwhile. And then he quotes a verse from the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. He's reminding the Roman Christians that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now be assured today, friends, this is not the judgment of sins, as every true believer of Jesus has had their sins forgiven and, and are paid for by Jesus through his work on the cross, and we can say hallelujah to that. But this is where believers will give their account on the works they have done for Christ during their lives on earth. And Paul is saying here, don't judge one another. Leave that to Jesus. Don't despise one another, but instead welcome and build each other up. And that leads nicely on to my second point. So we've had receive one another, and the next section is build up each other. Build up each other. 
And Paul here offers a useful alternative of judgment of one another in verse 13. Read with me. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And Paul makes it clear in these next few verses that we can either be a hindrance or a help in the lives of fellow believers. And for the, for, for the specific situation he was addressing in the church in Rome, the weak Christians didn't want to eat the foods they deemed as unclean. And they were clearly uncomfortable with this happening in the church. It was clearly against their conscience, which is why Paul writes verse 14, saying that we as Christians shouldn't go against our conscience. As Paul defines that, the Bible defines that as sin. And he was addressing the meat eaters or the strong Christian, whatever you want to call them. We'll call them the strong Christian because we've got the weak. That what they were doing, if they were eating meat, say, in front of their brothers, and they were upsetting them, they were no longer doing what they were doing in love. You see, the strong Christian who ate the meat might have known that it was okay to do so. But if the weak Christian was uncomfortable and grieved by this, they shouldn't be doing it. Christian knowledge has to, has to be balanced by love. Christian knowledge has to be balanced by love. Paul says in verse, the second half of verse 15, look down with me, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. We might have different convictions. We might have different opinions on certain things in the church but this cannot affect the unity we have in Jesus and the togetherness we must have as Christ's church we need to constantly be working to build up one another partner together in the gospel instead of grieving each other and tearing one another down no matter what we think we have the king Jesus to unite us first before anything else. And he should be our foundation. And he develops this thought in verse 17. Read with me. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying to these Roman Christians, get your priorities straight. The kingdom of God is not about what you eat or what you drink, or for the holy days you count as sacred or for anything else, but it's about pursuing righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So don't make a fuss about things that won't lead to righteousness, peace, and joy. By insisting on disagreements and really getting on at people in the church and by judging others and being angry at one another, this will only lead to the opposite of these things, won't it? It will only lead to unrighteousness, conflict, and despair. And Paul reminds these Christians and reminds us today that the Christian life is first and foremost about unity in Jesus and pursuing these traits that will only lead to positive church relationships and further holiness. We can be so easily distracted by what the Christian life is all about today, friends, can't we? It's not about forms, ceremonies, or traditions. 
But first and foremost, the Christian life is about Christ. What counts most in our Christian walk is our union with Jesus. Not whether we eat certain foods or drink certain liquids or treat some days or some events more special than others. But instead, our relationship with the one who died in our place is what matters. And how we act in response to that. Paul then goes on to say in verse 18 and verse 19 that whoever exercises these things and serves Christ is acceptable to God. So we should all pursue peace and look to edify one another, to build one another up. And isn't this amazing, friends? That we do not need to do the Christian life alone. Look around you today. Look to the person next to you. What a lonesome life that would be if this wasn't the case. But God has blessed us immensely with the church, the gift of the church. So whatever we do in this week ahead, let's make sure that we are doing everything we can to build up one another and to help each other pursue righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Paul finishes by tying up some themes he has already spoken of throughout the chapter. Verses 20 to 21, he again stresses the importance of not destroying God's work for the sake of food. And he again stresses that all food is clean. But the strong believers must not endanger the faith of the weak by eating these foods. In the same way, we need to accommodate for all Christians that we encounter. They may do some things different to us. They may worship different. They may think certain things about certain things we do in the church. And some may even join our fellowship here. And they might not agree with 100% everything that we do. But we must, above all, show them love. And do what we can to help them grow and progress in their walk with Jesus. And notice in how in verse 22, Paul seems to address specifically the strong believer or a certain strong believer. He says, the faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Now, Paul is not saying here to have a private faith, friends. We are called throughout the gospel and by Jesus himself to share our faith and live boldly in light of the gospel. Instead, he is saying, if you know the fullness of Christian liberty, but your brother does not know this yet, don't show it off or don't cause him to stumble because of it. Don't pass judgment, but instead build him up. And Paul then finally addresses the weak Christian and reminds them not to unfaithfully go against their conscience, but instead do all things that will lead to righteousness, peace, and joy. The chapter ends with, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. If a Roman believer had any doubts about the rightness of eating meat, they should not do it. That would be going against their conscience. And like we've said before, that's what the Bible classes as sin. Anything we do apart from faith is sin. This all comes from growth in the life of a believer. This is how to fix this potential problem. Once we learn more 
about Jesus. Once we learn more about the Bible, once we attain more knowledge, our faith grows and blossoms, doesn't it? I'm sure many of you can testify that today. We move from weak to strong. And from knowing more, our consciences grow stronger too. So in this week ahead, friends, let's not judge, despise, or condemn one another. But instead, through the lens of the Lordship of Christ, look to receive each other and build up one another. We are the body of Christ. We're all made for a purpose. We all have certain gifts. We all have our own quirks, our own differences. So instead of quarreling over them and arguing about them, let's take the instruction from Paul and live to glorify Jesus more by living in unity and in harmony with one another. Let's turn from wrong and sinful attitudes and seek to pursue righteousness, peace and joy to build up God's church here on earth. Let's pray together before we come to sing. Father, we thank you for this chapter in Romans, Lord. We thank you for the Apostle Paul. We thank you for his love for his people, the love for the the Christians that he had encountered, Lord, and his desire to, to correct, Lord, and to further guide them in their walk with Christ. Father, so often we can be distracted by little things, Lord, that don't really matter. Little things that we can put above serving Jesus, we can put above the Lordship of Christ, that only disrupt the growth of your church, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we as a church live to to glorify you more, Lord, and by doing this, we, we pray that we help each other, Lord, build each other up, encourage each other, Lord, not condemn each other, not bring each other down, but instead pursue righteousness, peace, and joy that can only be found in Christ Jesus. So Father, in this week ahead, help us do these things. Help us build each other up to receive one another gladly, to welcome one another, because you have first welcomed us. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.